This is Sports Radio 100.9, The Mix. You've waited patiently all day. All wait. They were patient. They didn't get rushed. The Great Lakes Bay region, we finally arrived at the payoff from high school. Whistling inside with a two-hand flush. To college. Just wait until March, bro. To the pros. Dear Ben Johnson, I deeply apologize for anything I said about you. We cover everything a Michigan sports fan could want. This is uncharted territory. And now, here they are. It's the payoff. Wednesday, you're listening to The Payoff, fueled by Forward Energy, 100.9 The Mint. Ben Bosch, you're here with you, ready to get you through the next hour of Sports Talk Radio. Yesterday, I mean, you guys heard it in the open, the main conversation of the show, not just this show, shows throughout Michigan were Ben Johnson's back. It was kind of his day. For as much of a stinger as it still is that the Lions lost on Sunday, I, I understand, nobody's over that. But bringing Ben Johnson back, I think, somewhat salvaged, even if it's just 1%, a microscopic split, somehow salvaged Sunday just a little bit. Because you bring this guy back. Everyone's excited. Everyone's celebrating. I know I said a few things about him on Monday, but that was in the heat of the moment. To say that we're not excited that he's back would just be wrong. Top five offense, two seasons in a row, granted. Great offensive line, great wide receivers, great quarterback. But the system he's built this team around has been phenomenal. Now you look at the other side of things. Aaron Glenn. There's only one head coach job open the rest of the way, and that's the Washington Commanders. Aaron Glenn has become a finalist for that award. Now all season long, we are worried about Ben Johnson potentially leaving, becoming the head coach elsewhere. Whereas the Aaron Glenn train was more so a roller coaster than a train. It was, we want him fired. We think he's this. And towards the end of the season, a lot of the football people, including myself, kind of came around on Glenn. Started blitzing a lot more, figuring out how to use the secondary. Granted, they gave up a lot of yards. They caused chaos. 24 sacks in the past eight games, including playoffs. Three sacks per game. That would have been fourth in the NFL throughout the regular season. Ten interceptions in the past five games, including playoffs. That's two a game. Would have been number one in the NFL. He's good at causing chaos. Dials up the blitz. Wants to play aggressive man-to-man. If you've listened to the show, you know, I just don't think they had the personnel to really be a lights-out defense. They certainly tried to help out this secondary by drafting Brian Branch, which was obviously a hit. Kirby Joseph the year before, semi-hit. And you brought in free agents like C.J. Gardner-Johnson, Emmanuel Mosley, and Cam Sutton just this offseason. C.J. Gardner-Johnson tears his pack week two. Emmanuel Mosley plays two snaps and re-tears his ACL, done for the year. And Cam Sutton never should have been the cornerback one. I don't think he was supposed to be. They at least tried to help Aaron Glenn out. But when you have Kendall Vildor starting at your cornerback too, there's only so much you can do. So my point of emphasis is this. I want Aaron Glenn back. I don't want him to get this commander's job. The same way I didn't want Ben Johnson to get the commander's job, the same way I didn't want Ben Johnson to get this Seattle job. 
I wanted to retain Ben Johnson. I wanted to make sure this offense had the same coordinator, same play caller. Not that I thought it would drop off, that they wouldn't be one of the better offenses in the NFL. But some sort of continuity is always a good thing. I always bring up the Philly example because they lost both coordinators and fell off the face of the earth halfway through the season. Started making all these changes. I didn't want the Lions to lose both coordinators, and now they're in a position where they potentially could keep both of them, which kind of seemed unfathomable just a couple of weeks ago. And if you would have said we're keeping one coordinator, you would have thought it was Aaron Glenn. Now, it's a finalist to become the last open head coach or, or take that last head coach opening down in Washington. So here's my question for everybody. Obviously, we wanted Ben Johnson back. That was the talk of town yesterday. Today, the focus shifts over to Aaron Glenn and the defense. Do you want Aaron Glenn back as the defensive coordinator, or do you think it's time that the Lions just have a fresh start? Find someone new, change the scheme, change the identity of this defense, more so build it to where it it benefits from this personnel. Obviously, everyone can be in agreement that you have to go fix the secondary in the draft. You have to go fix the secondary in free agency. Those are undebatable things. But whether or not you want Aaron Glenn back as the uh, the defensive coordinator, well, that's something we can talk about. That's something you can convince me otherwise. So I'll throw out the number, 989-837-6125. Because right now, sitting here on January 31st, 605, I want Aaron Glenn back. I mean, I understand you can look at a lot of different stats from this season and his past years as the defensive coordinator for the Lions that would point to why the hell would we bring this guy back? Just his total yards this year, 19th. Year prior, 32nd. Year before that, 29th. Not great numbers. But again, I I think he made those calculated risks at the end of the year knowing we're going to give up these yards regardless. Because Cam Sun and Kendall Vildor can't guard all these wide receiver ones. We're going to give up the yards. So let's make some calculated risks. Let's start blitzing Ify Melifonwu. Let's start blitzing Brian Branch, playing C.J. Gardner-Johnson in the box. It's not like the Lions were giving up all these yards and teams were running all over this team. This was the second best run defense in all of football. I understand they gave up a ton of air yards. But they caused chaos. They got home to the quarterback despite Aiden Hutchinson being the only real guy who can generate pressure. Led the league in it if you include the playoffs. Next best guy in the Lions was Aleem McNeil. Somewhere in the 50s. It's an interior, not a pass rusher. It's just an interior defensive tackle. Hutchinson had no help. So what Aaron Glenn did was say, you know what, we're going to start blitzing people a lot. We're going to cause some chaos. Make these quarterbacks get rid of the ball faster. Sometimes it's going to result in big plays down the field for the offense. Just as often, it's going to result in big plays for us on the defense. Again, 10 interceptions in the past five games. 24 sacks in the last eight games. Those are both top five numbers. I would like to give this guy another chance and actually give him a secondary because the past three seasons, the first three seasons Brad Holmes has been the GM, they've focused on the defense and uh, they focused on the offense in the draft. The first year he was there, we only brought in three different defensive rookies. It was Levi Onwuzurike, who's been 
dealing with a back injury for three years. If Melifanwu just got put in the starting lineup and Derek Barnes. Okay. 2022. Six out of the eight picks went to the defense. So they did try to help him. Just didn't really work out. At least we didn't see a ton of guys make impacts this season. Hutchinson obviously made the, the biggest impact. The cornerstone of this defense. Josh Pascal. He's an NFL player. Rotational guy. Kirby Joseph. To be determined. Malcolm Rodriguez, special teams player. James Houston hurt all this season. Chase Lucas doesn't really count. Seventh round pick, special teams player. And then this season, this past draft, Jack Campbell, Brian Branch, Broderick Martin, who played about 10 total snaps this season. I would like to give Aaron Glenn another opportunity after they've went all in on free agency and all in on the defense on this draft. Because realistically, you look at this offense. What do you need? You got to draft a guard at some point or, or some sort of interior offensive lineman that can play guard and center. And outside of that, you're good. You don't need a receiver. The way Jamison Williams finished the year, you've got two legit ones. Resign Josh Reynolds and you're good. And I get it. He had to drop. Get over it. He was great all season long. You have your quarterback. You have your offensive line. You got two running backs for the next two, two years. David Montgomery still got two more years left on his deal. You don't need to draft anywhere else on offense. Load up on defense. First round pick just has to be a corner. You got to get someone in there to help Aiden Hutchinson. And whatever you don't pick up in the draft, you got to go drill in free agency. Go balls to the walls trying to bring in the best talent you have. You've got the seventh most cap space in all of football heading into this year. All those other teams at the top of that list are teams that didn't make the playoffs, teams that were tanking, teams that finished at the bottom of the standings, and then there's the Lions. It's 58 million projected in cap space. There's a lot of guys available, and this isn't a free agent preview by any means, but there are some studs, some all-pro guys that are up for grabs. So I ask everyone out there, do you want to give Aaron Glenn a chance, another opportunity to be the defensive coordinator for this defense after they try to help him out, after Brad Holmes gives him all the pieces he needs in free agency, fixes the secondary, gets another linebacker, gets another edge piece to go alongside Aiden Hutchinson, whether it's a draft, free agency, do you want to give Aaron Glenn another opportunity to show what he had, to show what he's got, and then next year it's not a personnel issue. It's a, okay, Aaron Glenn, you finally have everything you asked for. We tried last season, didn't work out. Two years in a row, we're going to go all in for you. And again, this year didn't work out because CJ Gardner-Johnson, Emmanuel Mosley, Cam Sutton, all different reasons. Do you want to give them one more chance? Or are you looking at this like, cool, Washington signs them. We get an extra third round pick. We move on. Find someone else to fit this scheme better. Find someone else you can trust better. Find someone else who... Didn't in the last two years have the 32nd scoring offense or 32nd in total yards defense in the NFL. The numbers aren't great. But if you ask me, he made the most of what he had. Didn't have much. Didn't have much at all. But he made the most of it. So I'm willing to give him another opportunity. I like continuity. I like keeping things the same. Hell, the Lions were just in the NFC Championship. Don't you think you want to bring both, bring back both of those coordinators? 
Some people are very against Aaron Glenn. I want to hear from those people. 989-837-6125. We'll get into that. Red Wings have a big game tonight. Maybe the biggest game of the season, especially when you consider what's on the line off the ice. It's going to take place on the ice, but I do, I do expect some people to hit the ground tonight. It's going to be some fights. It's going to be some penalties. It's going to get nasty. Ottawa's in town. Those damn senators. All right, we'll get to it all tonight on the payoff fueled by Forward Energy. The payoff continues. More from the Great Lakes Bay region's home for sports. Sports Radio 100.9, The Mitt. 989-837-6125. Do you want Aaron Glenn back as the defensive coordinator? Because as it stands right now, there's one more head coach opening. It's the Washington Commanders. Aaron Glenn is a finalist to take that job. However, there's a lot of other defensive-minded people who might become available. Listen, for a team that was just in the NFC Championship, I want to keep things the same. I want to bring back a lot of the people that are potentially uh, that are upcoming free agents. I want to re-sign those guys. I'm glad they kept Ben Johnson. I want to keep Aaron Glenn. Because what I saw from him on the back end of the year, I thought he made I, I, I thought he made the best of what he had. He didn't have much. That's not what I'm arguing. And I think all of us, no matter what side of the argument you are on here, will say Brad Holmes needs to go all in on the defense. The secondary has to get fixed. Aiden Hutchinson needs help. Those are non-debatables. Whether or not, whether or not you want Aaron Glenn to head up the defense, to be in charge of it, all right, well, now we have a conversation. See, I look at what he did to close the season and I'm willing to give him that chance. This is the 13th youngest team in the league. You have the 7th most amount of cap space left. Heading into free agency. Now, if you look at the team total points, defensive points allowed, it's not great. It's ugly. 23rd in 2023. In 2022, 18th. His first year as defensive coordinator, 31st. That's 2021. But if you go back and look at that 2021 roster, man, (laughs) I can't believe it wasn't 32nd. There's no one on that team. It was like Michael Brockers was like the best player. Seriously. It's like Alex Anzalone and Michael Brockers, and then a bunch of people who aren't aren't really in the league anymore. So I I, I can't blame him for that. He, He started from nothing. Nothing. And to be honest, this defense wasn't super talented if you look at individual players. They just played really well together. And I get it. You can look at the opposing quarterback yards, the opposing wide receiver yards, and it looks bad. But what this team did all season was take away one aspect of an offense, and that was the run game. They allowed 88 yards per game on the ground, the second best mark in the NFL. You turn teams one-dimensional, you force them to throw the ball, Yeah, they put up a lot of yards, but they also made a lot of mistakes because Aaron Glenn was dialing up the blitz, confusing quarterbacks. They had less time to throw. Granted, it resulted in a lot of big plays. Not arguing against that. CeeDee Lamb going against Cam Sutton. CeeDee Lamb wins. Justin Jefferson going against Cam Sutton. Justin Jefferson wins. It's simple. But what does this defense look like with a top cornerback? See, you take one in the first round, and he hits, and there's no reason to think he won't because what Brad Holmes has done every year in the first round, 
He's nailed it. Hutchinson, Campbell, Gibbs, Penay Sewell. There's no reason to think Brad Holmes is going to miss. So if you bring in a cornerback who ends up being one of these young studs, I think this defense looks drastically different. Just like that. Now you're buying your guys an extra second to get home on the pass rush. While you're blitzing, that makes a difference. You can actually survive, fight, and claw one-on-one with some of the best receivers in the NFL. Now all of a sudden, you become a top 15 defense in the league. That's all you can ask for, right? You keep that same run defense, the perennial run defense. You improve in the secondary. I like what Aaron Glenn can do with that. And I'm willing to give him another chance to see what he can do. 989-837-6125. Kind of tying in with everything. This morning there was one. uh, This morning there was two head coach openings left in the NFL. Right now there's one. And if you didn't catch on what that was, well, here you go. Some breaks. All right, the Seattle Seahawks were that other team with a head coach opening. I think they really wanted Ben Johnson. I think he was one of the finalist can- uh, final candidates. He was one of the final candidates that they were considering hiring. They end up going with Mike McDonald, former Michigan defensive coordinator, has now become the youngest head coach in the league after beating out Dan Quinn as two, two of the finalists to get that Seattle job. So they're going from Pete Carroll, Oldest coach in the league. Mike McDonald, youngest coach in the league. In other news, Harbaugh, his contract went public. $16 million per year for the next five years, $80 million in total. It's the second highest paid contract in the NFL. That's right. Sean Payton, number one. Jim Harbaugh, number two. Neither of those guys were NFL head coaches two years ago, which means Washington, the only remaining team without a head coach. Final candidates are Dan Quinn, Cowboys defensive coordinator Aaron Glenn, Lions defense coordinator, and Ravens associate head coach and defensive line coach Anthony Weaver. So for all intents and purposes, Dan Quinn and Aaron Glenn are the final two candidates. Aaron Glenn has already interviewed with this team twice. And if they hire him, the Lions get another third-round pick. Simple. Lots to consider when, you want, when you're want you thinking about who to bring back. Aaron Glenn, someone new. Let's hit the Frick Sports Bar text line. Trent chiming in uh, from Millington. How's it going, Trent? Trent says, Mike Vrabel in place of Aaron Glenn. Other than that, if Glenn is here next year, I need to see vast improvement in the defense in the first half of the season, or he should be on the hot seat. Trent from Millington. Mike Vrabel in in that defensive coordinator spot would be great. But I'm not 100% convinced Mike Vrabel's willing to take a DC spot. If you're Mike Vrabel, wouldn't you rather sit out for a year, come back next season, and all of a sudden you have all the options in the entire world? Go do TV for a year if you're Mike Vrabel. I'm honestly shocked he didn't get a job up to this point. Commanders, he's not one of the finalists. Wasn't even one of the finalists for Seattle. Doesn't make any sense. This guy was one of the best coaches in the league for the better part of a decade in Tennessee. They fire him because reason's still unclear. GM failed to put together a good roster. And all of a sudden, he was jobless. And nobody wanted him. It doesn't make any sense. 
if Aaron Glenn leaves and Mike Vrabel wants to become a defensive coordinator, well, then sure, I think that'd be a fantastic hire. However, you have to know if you hire Mike Vrabel, odds are he's only going to be your defensive coordinator for one year. Odds are the second he gets a head coaching job, he's probably gone. Same thing with Aaron Glenn, but uh, not as likely. If I had to guess, if Aaron Glenn doesn't get a head coach job this year, he does not get this commander's job. He's probably not getting one. He's interviewed nine times, nine different teams in the past two seasons. If he doesn't get one in these next two years, or if he doesn't get this commander's job, it's probably not happening. Chris from Bay City chiming in. What's going on, Chris? Chris says, Cam Sutton needs to leave. He is the problem. Yeah, I think he deserves another shot. Talking about Aaron Glenn. One of the highest regarded coaches available. Let him cook with some new ingredients and allow the young ones to mature. Why not? Third quarter adjustment flops. Those need to be addressed. Uh, 1,000%. Those need to be addressed on both sides of the ball. Listen, Cam Sun's not supposed to be a cornerback one. It's never what he was in Pittsburgh. I don't think that's what we signed him intending to be. Manuel Mosley was supposed to be the guy. Everyone forgets about that signing, that one-year deal. Played two snaps in week four and, and re-tears his ACL. Never got to see it. Cam Sutton's put in a position where he has to guard the other team's wide receiver one every single week. He can't do it. Simple. He can't do it. Asking him to do it every week got old. Now, if you can make him cornerback two, cornerback three, you draft a couple of young guys and all of a sudden he's in a different role. Well, now we're talking. He's a quality corner. It's not like he's the, some Kendall Vildor type. I know I keep bringing up Kendall Vildor as this horrible figure, and I don't know, maybe he's a nice guy, but he just can't be on the football field. He replaces Jerry Jacobs halfway through the season because Jerry Jacobs got hurt. Jerry Jacobs was equally as bad. I really hope neither of those guys are Lions next year. Um, but as for the Aaron Glenn stuff, yeah, like I, I'm with you in terms of get him some new pieces, let him cook. But going back to what Trent said, like you can't bring back Aaron Glenn, who all the players love, the coaches love, and then fire him in the middle of the season if the team is doing poorly. If you bring him back, you bring him back. There is no, you're back, but you're on the hot seat. No, 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 no. You're either in on Aaron Glenn or you're out on Aaron Glenn. The public's not as much in on Aaron Glenn as they are Ben Johnson. And maybe that's because Ben Johnson has a top five offense. Maybe that's because Ben Johnson's this young guy and Aaron Glenn's on the older side of things. Former player. I say let him cook. I say let him cook. Draft a corner. Draft an edge. Hit the safety room in the corner room hard in free agency. And I think you're going to see mass improvement from this defense. Like, if you're a top five run defense this season, number two in the league in yards per attempt, number two in the league in yards per game, opponent yards per game, that is, you get your hands on a lockdown corner. I don't know. There's a, there's a few available in free agency. Jalen Johnson, second team All-Pro. LeJarrius Sneed just helped the Chiefs get to a Super Bowl. Kendall Fuller. All quality corners. You bring in one of those guys, draft one. Draft one that hits. All of a sudden, you take a team that's top five in run defense already. Add on to the corner room. And you're looking at a team that could see mass improvement immediately. Week one of next year, we're talking. I want to see it.
And I'm willing to give Aaron Glenn another opportunity to do so because I think he's earned it. The end of the year was fantastic from him. Better than Ben Johnson. I'll say that. 989-837-6125 Wednesday. We still got some stuff to get to, including this Red Wings game tonight. I'm telling you guys, this is the one. There's going to be bodies on the ice tonight. going to be fights. going to be penalties. If you're going to watch one regular season hockey game the entire season, this is the one. I'll tell you why later on the payoff fueled by Forward Energy. Back to the payoff on the Great Lakes Bay region's home for sports. Yeah, everybody looks good at home. Sports Radio 100.9, The Mitt. All right, I don't know about anybody else, but that last commercial that played makes me sick to my stomach every single time I hear it. I, I've not dived into any of the Super Bowl stuff because I just I get emotional. I get sick. I want to throw up thinking about it because I just... I know. I, I don't think. I know that should be the Lions in there. They had it. Uh, we're not doing this today. Uh, Wednesday. Let's do some winners and whiners, Ben. Start me off with a whiner. <laughs> me, because I just continue to live in a false reality that the Lions are in a Super Bowl. <laughs> they should have it. I, it's just, it's frustrating because they had it in their hands. 17-point lead, 90% chance, ESPN analytic to get it done. And they just miserably fail it away. Kind of like how Michigan just completely collapsed in the second half of last night's game. Give me another whiner. Give me another whiner. uh, Not Jim Harbaugh. Juwan Howard. Dude. If Juwan Howard had to like write a two-page paper as to why he should still be. If he had to come up with a list of 10 reasons why Juwan Howard should still be the coach next year. Do you think he could do it? If he had 10, how many reasons could he come up with as to why he should be employed? Now, I'm going to say something here. Don't get mad at me. Anyone out there, just know I'm a good guy. Just be honest with me because I'm going to ask a question that might ruffle some feathers. If Juwan Howard didn't have open heart surgery before the season right now, would he still be the coach? Ward Emanuel has brought it up when he's been asked about Juwan's job status, basically saying... Hey, man, look at what this guy's been through in just the last few months. This makes you wonder. It makes you wonder. Michigan's in danger of going under 500 for the first time in 14 years. They start out 3-0, and they're 4-14 since. Disgusting. Disgusting. You've got players ineligible to play away games because of their grades. Great job instilling a winning culture there, man. What do you do? You collapse every second half. The offense is a humble-jumbo mess. There's no continuity. There's no flow. You look lost on defense. You can't recruit. There's no identity to this team. He shouldn't have a job to begin next season. This is a disgrace to Michigan basketball. Give me a winner. Winner, winner, chicken dinner. Aaron Glenn, because six months ago, we all wanted him fired, including myself. It was abysmal. And then he starts changing things up. Starts realizing, well... We're going to give up the yards anyway. Let's start getting pressure. And he did it. And now I'm sitting here defending this guy. It's crazy how fast things can change. Give me another whiner. <laughs> Anyone that's saying the Pistons are better without Cade Cunningham? <laughs> that Where is this coming from? I really shouldn't have to go over the stats or any reasons as to why the Pistons are in fact not better without Cade Cunningham. But here we are. This is what happens when your franchise and organization don't know how to properly run. You start getting fans 
enraged to the point where they're delusional and think the team is better without their best player. Cade Cunningham, 45-34-86 split this year, all career highs. Just this season has gone toe-to-toe with Tatum, Steph, Jamal Murray. He has two 40-point games in which he only made three threes. You know how hard that is to do in today's NBA? I'm not sure any... Actually, you know what? I know for a fact no one else on this team could do that. Bojan can score 40, but he's got a him more than three threes to do so. Cade Cunningham. Pistons are better with him. Give me a winner. Winner, winner, chicken dinner. All right. Um, Jameson Williams, man. Whew, for all the conversations we had about JMO at the beginning of the year, during the suspension, hell, even in training camp when he had a drop problem, did he ever turn things around? Multiple receptions in the past six games. 40 yards per game in those games. Doesn't even include the rushing yards. 12 straight games without a drop. He turned things around. And now I can sit here with confidence and say, oh, the Lions have one of the better wide receiver twos in the NFL. It's not the best one. He's not T. Higgins. He's not Chris Godwin yet. But they've got a weapon. And I think heading into next year, when you get a full year offseason with him, you get another year with Jared Goff to improve during training camp, I think you're going to see him utilized in the offense more. More targets, more used in the run game like we saw on Sunday. Because you started to see it throughout the season. He's not just this big play guy, deep shot, run the ball. No, get him involved in different ways. Get him going across the middle of the field. And I think we're going to see that going into next year. How about a whiner? (laughs) Kirby Joseph. Kirby Joseph, man. Have you seen this? Okay. um, This is real stats. I'm not making anything up. This is not hyperbole. From the time the Lions lost on Sunday to 24 hours later, Kirby Joseph had 500 tweets. That's a real stat. Tweeted 500 different times. That's 20 tweets an hour. That's a tweet every three minutes. And that doesn't even include sleeping. I don't even want to know how many tweets that is per hour, per minute. If you include, if you take away seven of those hours to sleep, maybe he didn't sleep. Maybe he just stayed up all day checking his replies on Twitter and retweeting anyone who went after him. Now I joined in on the fun. I tweeted something at him. I was like, Hey man, you don't seem too upset that you just lost this game. And for a guy who doesn't tweet very often, your thumbs are moving fast. He retweets it and he says, yep, thumbs moving real fast right now. Right, some of us deal with the losses differently. Kirby Joseph writes to Twitter. How about a winner? Winner, winner, chicken dinner. Uh, a lot of people won't like this one, but Patrick Mahomes. Now in his, you don't like it. The producer Ben does not like this one. He's in his fourth Super Bowl, ladies and gentlemen. He's played six seasons in the NFL. Six years he's been a starter. And he's got a chance to win ring number three. If he wins ring number three today, or next Sunday, if he wins ring number three, it's him and Tom Brady alone. And that seemed unfathomable two weeks ago, or two years ago, that anyone would ever even come close to Tom Brady. Now Patrick Mahomes is one win away from it being realistic. This dude's 28 years old and has already inserted himself into a different stratosphere. I'm taking him over Montana. I'm taking him over Marino. Some people won't like any of this. But I don't care. He's the best quarterback I've ever laid my eyes on. How about a whiner? Okay, let's have some fun with this one. Uh, the huge show. It goes from three to six. Uh, yeah, it goes from three to six right here on 100.9. Listen, I love Bill Simonson. 
I enjoy listening to his show, heading up into ours, does a good job leading us right in. But Colin Cowherd's also on our air, right? From 12 to 3. Colin Cowherd, during his show today, said some things about Taylor Swift, specifically the people who hate Taylor Swift. Now, I'm going to paraphrase because I don't know exactly what he said. But he said about half of men don't get physical intimacy in their lives. And those are the people who don't like Taylor Swift. Those are the people that don't like the attention she's getting because they're jealous. Not my thoughts. Colin Coward said this today. Bill Simonson opens up his show, the huge show, and immediately attacks Colin Coward and the national media for covering Taylor Swift. Bill, you're feeding into everyone that talks about Taylor Swift. You're saying you don't like it when people talk about Taylor Swift, and then you opened your show and talked about it. You are media, dude. Like, I love your show. I do, but you are media. If you hate it, why are you incorporating it into your show? Come on, Bill. Uh, give me another w- whiner. Winner. Winner, winner, chicken dinner. Roman Wilson absolutely killing it at the Senior Bowl. Lance Zierlin and Eric Edholm of the NFL Network have a great article out right now covering the Senior Bowl. Um, it's a Senior Bowl standout article in the headline. Wilson separating from the pack. They go on to list some of their stars from day one. Today's day two. They go on to list some of their stars from day one. And the first guy they list is Roman Wilson. Roman Wilson's torching people. People can't hang with this guy, which is funny because his yards were down this year. His touchdowns were up, but a lot of people didn't really consider him an NFL receiver. Someone was going to give him a chance. He's going to end up on a team, but no one thought about this guy as you know, going in the first round by any means. And I'm not even saying that he's going to be a first-round pick, but they're comparing him to Tank Dell. Tank Dell is one of the steals of the draft. So I am buying stock in Roman Wilson right now. Not to be a first-round pick. Maybe not even to be a second-round pick. But I'm going to note this. Killing it at the Senior Bowl. Uh, take that Take that little nugget to your, your dynasty drafts this offseason. How about another whiner? <laughs> Aaron Rodgers. Any chance I can get to call this guy a whiner, I'll take it. If you've got a subscription to The Athletic, I highly encourage you to check this out. There's an article that came out today. Some athletic writers talked to 30 different sources from within the Jets organization and basically went over the entire season and how much of a disaster mess it was from the owner to the players to the media to the head coach to Aaron Rodgers. From the ver- this seems like hell to be a part of this organization. I read this, I finish reading this and I immediately go to my sports book and I'm like I'm taking this team's under. This is a cultural issue that's not going to be fixed regardless of who you bring in in free agency, regardless of who you draft. This team is a mess, a dumpster on fire is what some people would call it. They're broken. And you know who's the backbone of all of that? The guy who used to play in Green Bay. The guy who used to, quote-unquote, own the Lions. He loves the spotlight too much. It all centered around him. Nothing was ever his fault. And then he just disappeared from the team. Would come back on Sundays. I'm not going to spoil the whole article. If you've got The Athletic, go give it a read. If you, if you want 10 minutes of just pure entertainment. But this dude would basically show up on Sundays and and be like, Nathaniel Hackett, offense coordinator, this is dumb. This is what you should do. And uh, Nathaniel Hackett would basically be like, okay, yeah, sure, man. 
This team apparently didn't have meetings with all the other coaches until like the last possible second before games. Nathaniel Hackett had no power over this team. Aaron Rodgers was just throughout training camp, just checking to a different play every time he called a play. Their relationship was in quote used as a, more of a frat brother type of relationship rather than a coach to player. Too much power given to the players. That's what happens. Team absolutely falls apart. Now, we're not doing Jets radio here, but again, why is Robert Sala still the coach when all these guys were available? You could still go hire Bill Belichick or Mike Vrabel, but nah. Now, let's, let's hang with Robert Sala. Robert Sala, who just has no control over his own team. I don't know. It's just me. There you have it. Winners and whiners, a new Wednesday tradition here on the payoff. Uh, we've still got a real important game to talk about. Listen, the Red Wings play tonight in Detroit against a team that has, for the most part, been their rival for the past year and a half. This is going to get ugly. Last time these two teams played each other, not only did it get ugly, there were suspensions, there was players out due to injury. It's the first time they're playing each other since that game. Let's talk about it on the other side of this break. Fueled by Forward Energy, you're listening to The Payoff. So. More of the Great Lakes Bay region's only local sports show. Back to the payoff. All right, let's hit the Frick Sports Bar text line, 989-837-6125. You guys can chime in at any point during the show. We've still got a lock of the day to come. Jalen from Midland chiming in. Sutton is maybe a cornerback three, but he's certainly not a CB1 or two. He's a CB3, period. Let's not forget how Josh Reynolds, who's been Mr. Reliable, kept dropping first down passes when the passes were on the money. Also, Gibbs costly fumble when the line... <laughs> I guess we're still in uh, therapy mode here on the payoff. Sure. Let's just keep rolling with the text. Uh, Reynolds and Gibbs had some costly drops and a fumble each time they were threatened to score on San Francisco. The Lions have a problem getting cocky and arrogant when they... Uh, I'm going to stop reading right there. No, no, they don't. No, Nobody's cocky and arrogant on this team outside of CJ Gardner-Johnson. That's a different issue. I think they got comfortable with the lead and took their foot off the gas. That doesn't make them cocky or arrogant, but Ben Johnson, throughout the course of the season, I think this is a huge reason the third quarter stuff existed. Was he changed the way he played? When you got up, the Saints game is a great example of this. You go up 24-0 or 21-0 in the blink of an eye, and all of a sudden the Saints start climbing back into it because you're not scoring. You're playing non-aggressive football. Instead of doing what worked, all of a sudden you're playing conservative, trying to run the clock. No, 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 no. Do exactly how what you did in the first half. And again, I don't think Sunday is necessarily as much on Ben Johnson because Josh Reynolds dropped fourth down pass. Josh Reynolds dropped third and 10 pass. Jameer Gibbs, fumbled. like that's not on Ben Johnson. I don't think this team got arrogant or ahead of themselves. I think they just, Ben Johnson still has a lot to learn in terms of managing the game. You got to keep your foot on the gas or else stuff like that will happen. Um, Dwayne from Bay City chiming in. What's going on, Dwayne? Dwayne says, honestly, don't care if he stays or goes. If he, go, uh, if he goes, should not be let back, especially if Sharon Moore is coaching and he is successful. I think he's talking about Juwan Howard, I think. As much as I love Coach Harbaugh, I'm tired. Oh, wait. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Dwayne says this. Panay kept it real. He said the good year doesn't mean anything. I'm going to fill in a different word, anything, instead of what he actually texted in. 
when they gave away the game and should have handily won. Finally, a line who doesn't trash play and doesn't approve of careless players. Juwan needs to go, period. Yeah, uh, I'm with you there. Uh, Jeremy from Beaverton chiming in. Incorrect on my Michigan call last night. He picked Michigan by four, texted in. Um, but I guarantee one thing. Williams across the middle, he's getting broken in half. Not that type of receiver. He's talking about Jamison Williams. Uh, one thing Amon Ra does a really good job at that I think can probably wear off on JMO a little bit is Amon Ra, when they're playing against a zone, can get to the middle of the field, sit down, catch the ball, and then just kind of wait for guys to come get. Like It's not like he's running straight across the field, catches the ball in stride, and then gets killed. He gets to the middle field, stops, drops, catches the ball, turns around. If that's what JMO's going to do in the middle of the field, let's go to work because he can make anybody miss. Now, yeah, if he gets drilled running full speed when a linebacker comes and crushes, yeah, that's completely different. But that's also on Jared Goff to not throw him a ball where that's going to happen. And Jared Goff hasn't thrown those type of balls all year long. So I, I, I am curious to see how they use JMO next season. Uh, all right. You want to make some money? Let's make some money. Lock of the day. You better lock it up. You lock it up. Lock it up. Lock it up. Lock it up. I am expecting Little Caesars Arena to be pure warfare tonight. May as well call it the Coliseum. There's going to be gladiators fighting on the ice. Listen, short. long story short, I'm taking the Red Wings money line. This is a prove-it win for this team. Now, plain and simple, Take away everything that happened off the court, uh, off the ice. Ottawa's in last place in the East. Dead last. Least amount of points. They have 40. Red Wings are in a wild card spot with 57 points. They're the better team. Yet, this line is even. Money line's the exact same for both of these teams. Now, a lot of people would be suspect by that. Think that's a little off. I'm not a scared. I'm not afraid. If the Red Wings want to prove that they are a legitimate playoff team. This is the team you have to bury. The Ottawa Senators have kind of been their kryptonite the last couple of seasons. The last 10 times they've played, they're 2-7-1. 0-2 this season against Ottawa. One of those was in Sweden when the Wings had to rally down four and somehow got a point in overtime. The other one was in December. Now, if you're a Wings fan, you know what I'm talking about with this game. In December... Dylan Larkin gets cross-checked in the back of the head. Knocked out cold on the ice. Laying there, unconscious. Perron comes in and starts fighting everybody. Perron gets a big suspension for that. Six games. Dylan Larkin misses four games. Or Perron got four games. Dylan Larkin misses another four games due to suspension. because Due to injury, concussion. Because again, he got knocked out by Matthew Joseph. Matthew Joseph and Dylan Larkin have a history. You go all the way back to when Matthew Joseph played for Tampa. Larkin punched him right in the head, got a one-game suspension for it. Don't usually see Larkin engaged in these type of fights. This is one of the guys he has been. February 28, 2022, the Wings are in a playoff spot for less than 24 hours. The Red Wings go to Ottawa, back-to-back games against the Senators, and they outscore the Wings 12-3 in those games. Red Wings never see another playoff spot again. As of right now, they are the second wildcard team with 57 points. They have a five-point cushion over the Islanders for that spot. Like I said, Senators at the bottom of the conference. 
This teams, these two teams have history. Typically, I'm not a big regular season hockey guy, but this is one of those games that's circled on the calendar and has been for weeks, has been all year. These two teams don't like each other, and to be 1,000% honest, I expect gloves to be dropped very quickly into this game. You can't attack the other team's captain and knock him out unconscious without thinking something is coming. So I'm tuning into that tonight. I'm more of a hockey casual. I, I, I enjoy the fights. I know a lot of people think it takes away. No, screw that. Hockey fights are great. Hockey fights are fantastic. Wings have to get it done. This is the last game before the All-Star break. All-Star break is this weekend. They're sending to Brinkett as their All-Star. You can take him to score tonight for plus odds, but I'm just taking Red Wings money line for my lock of the day because they have to prove to everyone, including us, they were one of the best teams in hockey in January. They really were. But now they have to prove to us that they're legit. Heading into the All-Star break, you get a couple games off, you get a couple days off, and then you come back and finish the season strong. Someone's got to pay for what happened to Larkin. Now, I'm not one for violence, but it's a little bit different in hockey. You do not knock out our captain without suffering from the consequence. I'm not saying you should go hurt someone. No, 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 no. Don't get that. Don't put words in my mouth. I'm not trying to hurt anyone. But I'm kind of all in on puck drops, drops, gloves drop to start the game. Probably won't happen. I doubt that happens. But if it happens, I'm here for it. That's why you're tuning in tonight. I think that game's at 7 o'clock. Uh, Pistons also tipping off tonight. Trade deadline's in one week. One week until the trade deadline. Troy Weaver has, according to the owner, Tom Gores, security in his job, which blows my mind. The fact that this guy's even allowed to pick up the phone and call other teams, because every time he does it, we seem to get bamboozled. Troy dead, trade deadline is in one week. The question is, do the Pistons start selling again, which in my opinion makes no sense. I, I get it. You don't want to be a buyer if you're at the bottom of the standings, but there's nothing to tank for this year. There's no Victor Wembanyama. Plus, even if there was great guys at the top, you keep drafting these guys anyway, and it's not helping. You had Asar in the top five. You had Ivy in the top five. You had Durant at 12. You had Cade Cunningham at one. You drafted all those guys, and you're still the worst team in the league. So trade for someone. Trade for a veteran. Zach Levine's available. Let's go add him to the mix. I don't care about the picks at this point. Screw them. We're not making use of them anyway. So we may as well bring in a big player. Cade Cunningham, Jaden Ivey, Zach Levine, Asar Thompson, Jalen Duren. That's a five-man lineup I can get behind. Unlike the five-man lineup that we're going to see tonight, uh, which is Cade Cunningham, Jaden Ivey, Jalen Duren, Asar Thompson, Oh, no, no, no. Boyan Bogdanovich. And ready for this? Want to know who's starting at power forward tonight? Mike Muscala. Yep, Mike Muscala is our starting power forward tonight. I know what a lot of people are probably thinking. Who is Mike Muscala? Exactly. Go make a trade. Go land a big, a big name. I don't care if, he, if the name is bigger than the actual player. I don't care if the contract is bad. I can't watch the worst team in the NBA anymore. I just can't do it. So go buy at the deadline. Be the, 
be the first team in NBA history to have five wins at the trade deadline and be a buyer for all I care. We'll have more on that tomorrow. Um, circle back to where we started things off. Aaron Glenn. Listen, I would assume in the next 24 to 48 hours, we know whether or not he got the head coach job for Washington. That or they're just taking their time since they're the last team and they're going to really weigh their options here. But they're down to two people. You'd think they'd figure it out by some point. Both guys have interviewed twice. Dan Quinn, defensive coordinator for the Cowboys, defensive coordinator for the Lions, Aaron Glenn. One of those guys is going to be the head coach. The other one's going back to their team. You can make an argument the Cowboys need Dan Quinn more than the Lions need Aaron Glenn because there's a good amount of people out there that are fine with letting Aaron Glenn walk away. You get the third-round pick. You find a different defensive coordinator to replace him. You're golden. I want to keep some stability. Same way Ben Johnson got brought back. A little bit different because Ben Johnson runs a top-five offense for back-to-back years, but I just want some stability. These players know the scheme. They benefited well from the scheme. If your name's not Cam Sutton and, um, and Kendall Vildor, if you're not those two guys, you, benef- you benefited from the scheme. Maybe you can make an argument Kirby Joseph didn't. CJ Gardner-Johnson was supposed to, but he just didn't. He just wasn't good this year. Uh, plain and simple, when he came back from injury, he just wasn't good. And against Kansas City, the one game he played, also just can't really remember a big play he made. Simple as that. All right, we'll have more tomorrow. Uh, John Vacari's got some high school basketball. That's at 720. We'll keep you entertained with Fox Sports for a little bit. But that was the payoff, and I hope it was worth it.